In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos post-game reaction podcast brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. The Toronto Argonauts squeak past the lowly Ottawa Red Blacks 23-20. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB. And before we get started, I just want to apologize. I know I wasn't live tweeting the game. I got a lot of congratulatory messages from uh, from the Twitter universe on my kids having won their flag football championship. I appreciate that. And I think that is my last conflict of the season. So I will be able to uh, live tweet and cover the remaining Argos games. Uh, but yeah, for, for today, it was a little bit weird. We got back to the car after the game and my phone was basically on fire and I knew things were either going really well or really poorly. It turned out really poorly. JB, I leave you alone for one week and you almost blow it against the Red Blacks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, uh, you know, I mean, I was a little worried heading into the game because it's always risky to play a team that has nothing to, uh, to lose, but it was not uh, a stellar uh, road appearance for the Argos. No, not at all. And it, but it is like you say; it's it's really there is no easy win uh, in the CFL. It just it just doesn't work like that. There should be easy wins. This should have been a blowout on paper. There's no question. Ottawa is not a good football team. But it's like I said to AJ Jackiebeck earlier in the week when we were talking about how this game could go. There's always a chance. There's always a way that that any team can beat any other team in the CFL. And it almost happened today, but uh, Boris Beatty uh, bailed the Argos out again for the second week in a row. And I, I feel like, JB, we need to address the psychological effect that Boris Beatty may be having on opposing kickers. Because last week you've got Camacho, who goes 0 for 3 on field goals. This week, it's Lewis Ward, who never misses, who had not missed two field goals in a game and suddenly misses three field goals in a game, all well within his range. And you, this this can't be a plan going forward, but man, it is nice to have the kicker that goes five for five two weeks in a row. What a, what a show from Boris Beattie. Absolutely. I, I don't see how you could argue he's not having an effect on the other kicker because, you know, Beattie's coming in and he's just, you know, ice from any distance and he's just piping it down the middle and the other kickers just seem totally flustered by that it's the damnedest thing i've ever seen some of these kicks too like you know the commentators are like well this is gonna be a tough one it's into a pretty heavy and then back through the end zone uh right down the middle we uh, can just <laughs> we could also get into should you bring a missed kick out of the end zone yeah and if that your name be... is not james worthy I, and, and we do want to address that. And, you know, there were some injuries today for Argos, and we'll we'll cover that as well. Some that, you know, maybe shouldn't have happened. Maybe guys that you have to question being out there in the first place. And so we'll get all of that covered as we go through sort of our game recap. And there's a ton of conversation points that I want to get to, JB, throughout our game recap. We will go through the stats. We will do our offensive and defensive player of the game. And then, of course, the play of the game. So let's get things started. First quarter... I thought the Argos came out looking different in a positive way. Their run game was really different today. They had done stuff that I've seen Calgary do before. And this is some of the things they did today. I expected to be part of Coach Dinwiddie's offense really from the beginning. And and yet it wasn't. It's those, 
those sort of search runs, those inside zone runs where they've got a slot back kicking out the end on the other side and you run counters off to that same action. And they had they had uh, Theron Churchill in there as a slot back, something, sometimes being the guy to kick out on the other side, sometimes being the, the guy to come and basically crack the end. And then some of their bigger receivers were also playing that role. And I, I thought that worked really well. We saw that on the opening drive, they worked their way down the field. They end up settling for a, a 46-yard field goal to take the, the lead 3-0. But yeah, it was just, it was cool to see a, a different look. And it's just one more thing now. Hamilton, in preparing for this game, has to look at this and say, okay, well, this this is something that we haven't really seen yet, the use of these counters and the use of that uh, the, the sort of search package that uh, that Calgary is famous for. So I thought that was cool just to plant something, something extra, some extra homework for Hamilton to do in, in preparing for next week. Yeah, I mean, sorry, I called uh, Chandler Worthy, James Worthy earlier. Uh, I, I would have loved to have seen a little more use of, of Worthy, a few more gadget plays. Um, I think they need to get him the ball, you know, on, on, on jet sweeps, on... Um, you know, on, on, on bubble screens, you know, I, I was disappointed in that. Um, if I'm Hamilton and I watch this game film, I mean, I guess the good thing is that Hamilton may come in, um, overconfident from looking at this game film. They're not going to be worried. They are not going to be worried. (laughs) Chandler Worthy didn't have a single target in today's game just to give you an idea of of how little he was used which um, is interesting maybe they're sitting on that maybe maybe they've got something but i don't know we've we've wondered that before and then and maybe they're still sitting on those things that we've wondered in the past but yeah it's a little bit weird that he didn't get involved but i do like the fact back to my original point i like that they created some homework for hamilton and they're gonna have to sort of uh, scheme that because toronto did have success running the ball today so the Argos go up 3-0. Ottawa comes back down the field. I thought Duck Hodges looked pretty good on that opening drive. I, I know you and I differ on our opinion of Duck Hodges' performance. If you look at his stats, they're, they're terrible. They're a disaster. But in my mind, of course, they're a disaster. He's, he's surrounded by a, a team that has partly checked out. And isn't, the rest of them aren't good in the first place. And so he's not getting any protection. His receivers are dropping balls everywhere. He had that gorgeous pass. The deep post route on that, I think it was on the opening drive, hits the receiver in both hands and, you know, he just wasn't getting any help from anywhere. So, yeah, his stats look terrible. Well, he, but I thought there was a significant difference between he and Caleb Evans uh, that we saw last time. He's he's definitely only good in your mind. So we agree on that. Um, I, I, I didn't. I, I thought he looked terrible. I thought that he wasn't mobile. Uh, that he underthrew his balls, that he got chased down really easily, um, that he wasn't accurate, um, that he did almost nothing you would like a quarterback to do. Um, so, I mean, he didn't fumble any snaps. So, like, that's good. Uh, but, you know, other than that, I would say if he were my quarterback, I would be very unhappy. If he were my quarterback, I would look at this game and say, "Okay, I think I can work with him." And oh, no, I, I wouldn't look at him and say, "I wouldn't look at him and say, yes, he's going to take us to the Great Cup," or look at him and say, "Well, here's an all-star waiting uh, to to be uh, you know coached to the the promised land." But I would look at him and say, "Yeah, I think we can do something here." He's got poise. Uh, I really liked how comfortable he was in the pocket. I, I liked his feet in the pocket. He's not fast, 
but I liked his most of his decision making. I thought the Argos defense actually played really well. They were put in some really tough positions. Ottawa had a short field, it seemed like, every possession of the first half. And the Toronto defense just kept stepping up. And the, the truth of the matter is, Duck Hodges, no matter how well he plays, he's throwing to receivers who are going against far more athletic defensive backs. He's under duress almost from his, you know, from the snap because he's just got no protection in that offensive line. So no one was going to look good for Ottawa. No quarterback has looked good for Ottawa this year. So, you know, that's not new. But I actually thought, I thought he was okay. But obviously we need a little, a little bit more of a look. I wouldn't be, I'm not going to be asking the Argos to trade for Duck Hodges in the offseason. But again, I, I don't think he was a complete disaster. So yeah. Ottawa ends up missing a field goal. And this is maybe what, one of the points we wanted to talk about. So Chris Edwards is back there. Uh, to take the missed field goal out of the end zone, he ends up getting injured on that play. And I, and I don't believe he came back into the game. He, uh, I, I don't love Chris Edwards back there returning missed field goals. I don't know why that's not worthy. It was after Edwards was injured, then it was worthy. I don't know why he's not back there in the first place. But do you want to talk about the idea of taking those missed field goals out of the end zone? Maybe it's not worth well, the, the I, opportunity, right? I think nothing against Edwards. He's you know he's a great athlete. I'm I'm a big fan of his. Um, it's just risk and reward, and you know what are the chances of you running back 110 yards? You know, not very good. I mean, it's possible, but not very good. I mean, unless as we saw in Ottawa, you know, you have an elite returner. You know, if you've got uh, you've got an elite returner on your team, okay, take a shot. But unless you're that, you know, the chances are you're just going to get hit like a ton of bricks because these guys are coming screaming down the field for 15, 25 yards. Um, so for me, I, I just think you take the rouge every time. I don't, I don't see the upside to being tackled on the ten yard line at all. And if it's worthy, I do think you take it out because he has that 4-2 speed where, and the reason why people like to take those out for a field goal team, it's a little bit different from, from a punt return because you've got much larger bodies in there. Your field goal team, your, your kicking team is all offensive linemen. And then a few linebackers sort of sprinkled in uh, on the edges. Uh, these are not your, your fast guys that are going to be tracking down Chandler Worthy. And so that's why there's a temptation to take that ball out of the end zone and make something happen, but far less so. Not that, you know, Edwards is very fast, but like you say, it's a dangerous play. And so Edwards, a guy who is one of the best players on Toronto's defense, is that really the guy that you want to expose to injury versus Chandler Worthy, who didn't have a single target tonight no. and has more speed? Just, so I, I didn't really get that. There's no angle to Edwards. Edwards is not taking the ball a hundred yards down the field. Like that's just not going to happen. So why risk him getting lit up, which is exactly what happened. So, you know, maybe he, look, maybe he blew through a stop sign. I mean, guys do that, right? You're like, why would you bring that out? And the guy just catches the ball and, you know, you know, blew through the coaches saying, take a knee. So who, who knows? But, it, uh, you know, I, I disagreed with the play. And then it's another short field for Ottawa. They take over that fumble from Edwards on his, the play in which he was injured. The defense steps up. They do a great job keeping Ottawa basically on the four-yard line. So Ottawa settles for a field goal. It's 3-3. And 
Then not too much happens until we get our first glimpse of trouble to come. Devontae Debman with a 40-yard punt return. Um, and that made me nervous because we know how dangerous Devontae Debman can be. And here we are in the first quarter. He's, he's gashing the Argos special teams unit already. And, and so at that point, I'm thinking... Uh, is this is this how Ottawa gets some of their points? Because it's, it's so weird, you know, watching watching and sort of fast forward. I knew what the final score of the game was, but I didn't know how any of it happened. And so when I saw that that punt return from Demon, I'm like, oh man, I hope they start kicking away from him, and, and they would, but not quite yet. So that uh, you know that that certainly made me nervous and, and was an early red flag. And then suddenly Timothy Flanders turned into a machine. This was Ottawa's starting running back for a few weeks disappeared for the last month and man he looked like a man possessed today he was carving up the Argos defense early he ended the game with I think 90 yards rushing 95 yards rushing on on 14 carries that's not the Timothy Flanders that I remember from a month ago and that doesn't necessarily say a lot of good things about about the the Argos D-line they actually had a decent day in 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 rushing the passer but how does Timothy Flanders get 95 yards rushing on you? Yeah, he. I mean, I think they were probably a little surprised. I think that probably wasn't in the game plan. So sometimes a guy has a little more hop in a step than you were expecting. So you you know you make some adjustments at half. I thought they made some pretty good adjustments at half. You know, I thought the linebackers probably you know need to keep working on scraping. There was a, you know there was a lot of like runs where you know he was bouncing it to the outside and there just wasn't anybody outside um, to clean that up. Um, so that's what I took it to be. I took it to be that he caught them by surprise, um, you know, much like DJ Foster and Winnipeg way back when. And, uh, you know, they made some changes at halftime. And then I thought I thought the linebackers and the line had a, had a great second half. The first quarter ends basically with, a McLeod Bethel Thompson pick that hits Drez Anderson in the face. I want to defend Drez a little bit here. And this is a pick that is obviously it's not McLeod Bethel Thompson's fault. He hit his receiver right in the face. I, I like TD Play Stadium uh, a lot. I think it's a really nice facility. The one problem with it in the number of times that the number of times that I've uh, been there for games, I've had a few negative experiences. There was once there when we played under there was like two feet of snow. And that's a problem that you just simply get with Ottawa. If you have a game late in the season, sometimes uh, you get tons of snow and that's something that you have to deal with. But the other one is the setting sun. And I've played there in summer games where uh, a night game as the sun is setting, it's just on the one side of that apartment building that you sort of see in the end zone on, on Bank Street. Uh, but this late in the year for an afternoon game, it's actually made its way across to the other side of that same apartment building. And when you get around sunset, there's nothing else. There's no other building there to block it. And when it gets low, as a receiver looking back towards the sun, all you can see is this, this massive sun right between the, that, that building on Bank Street and the, the stands. And it, it's blinding. And so, you know, whether it's the summer or, or late fall, um, there's a time of day where it's just so impossible for a receiver to see that ball. And that clearly happened to Drez Anderson. Ball hits him in the face. It gets picked. And the, the, the first quarter ends 3-3, but Ottawa's in business at that point. And early in the second quarter, they end up with another uh, field goal from Ward. So it's 6-3 at that point. But yeah, you can't, 
I know McLeod Bethel-Thompson's stats weren't great this game, but there's nothing you can do about that as a quarterback. As we get into the second quarter, 6-3 now for uh, the Red Blacks, I noticed just watching the line, I remember this from earlier in the year too, Blake is not the same guy when he's at center versus at left guard. We we had so many issues protecting McLeod Bethel-Thompson today, and a lot of them started with Philip Blake at center. He's just not the same. There was a, a sack from Stephon Charles early in the second quarter, and, and it's, it's a matchup that when you kind of look at, if you sort of freeze frame at the, the moment of engagement, it looks like Blake has position on him, but he's just not as comfortable coming out of that snap set and getting his hands on a guy like Stephon Charles. He, he ends up losing him. Uh, Blake lost a, another one where Cleon Lang basically flipped McLeod Bethel Thompson upside down. Uh, on I, you know, I couldn't believe Macbeth got up from that one. But those were, those were both on, on Blake, and they're both matchups that he normally doesn't lose that way. But because he's at center, you know, he did. And so, you know, what's the solution going forward with that? I know the the signing this past week, you know, hoping hoping that, you know, maybe uh, we can get someone else in there at center and Blake can go back to guard uh, if Nicastro is not going to come back. But I just don't think Blake at center can be the answer. And from the very start of the year, they haven't wanted that to be the answer, but they keep finding themselves in situations where here's Blake again playing center and we just, we, we can't have that. No, I, I mean, I think the takeaway here is that the, there were a lot of holes and they didn't take on water because Ottawa is very, very poor at football. Uh, but had we played Winnipeg or Saskatchewan today, we would lose by 40. You know, so, I, you know, I hope that they are in in emergency mode. Because, you know, that game should not have been close. I mean, it was really, um, you know, you, you, you can't turn the ball over that many times. You can't, you can't spend the whole first half. Get, you know, I mean, Ottawa doesn't have much of a pass rush, and they were eating in the first half. I mean, what, what would Montreal or Winnipeg's line do? Uh, you know, it, it is a problem, uh, a significant one, because clearly – you know, MBT, he's not great when he's pushed off his spot and he makes bad decisions. And I don't know. I don't know how to fix that line with the injuries. I, I wonder if they're going to try and get newly signed Jonathan Zamora up to speed uh, this week. Like, ideally, you've got your answer by the Hamilton game, but it's a pretty quick turnaround. So, you know, I just in one week's time, he's just arrived. Like, he just got here. So in a week, can you... Can you put a guy out there it's not the same as some other positions I think you can do it with a running back you can do it with an interior uh, lineman maybe even an edge but uh, or if if it's a boundary corner and you're only playing man but there just aren't a lot of positions on the field where one week will do it that said we saw we saw Trevor Harris with with Montreal basically take a week and that's at quarterback so I guess anything's possible depending on the guy Um, I guess we'll see if Jonathan Zamora is a quick study because it would be great if they felt comfortable with him in there and they could put Philip Blake back at guard. Again, assuming that that Peter Nicastro is not close to coming back. So that's uh, I I guess what they're hoping for at this point. But yeah, I don't want to see I don't want to see Philip Blake playing center. He's such a great guard. And you're just you're losing out now on two positions when he's playing center. Yeah. I mean, that's that's always an argument, right? Like those are sort of two schools of thought. Do you 
you know, do you rob Peter Peter to pay Paul, or do you just accept that you're going to have a significant issue at one of your positions, but you're not going to have three guys at a position? Um, I, I don't think there's a right or wrong to it. It's interesting what they did. I think it's worth, in my opinion, it's worth trying. I'm more of like, let's move everybody around and maybe we catch a break. Um, but but then I think when you see it, then maybe you choose to just say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna have a problem spot and we're gonna game plan accordingly instead of reducing the efficiency of of half our line. Boris Beatty ends up tying the game with a 42-yard field goal to make it 6-6. Ottawa comes raging down the field with a huge run from Flanders. And then Tristan Deku gets hurt. And that was one of those things coming into this game. We said, you know, the, you've got to win this game, obviously. But you also want to avoid showing much. And I, I think they came out okay there. But you want to avoid injuries. <laughs> yeah. And now Tristan Deku goes down. You've already lost Edwards. Tristan Deku is hurt. Uh, that... I'm hoping that that isn't something that that lingers the way that, um, you know, I, I don't really know the status of, of Edwards at this point, but hopefully that's not something that's going to hang around for the rest of the season. No, because it, it looks like John White's done for the year. Yeah, we haven't even got to the John White injury. Um, yeah, trying not to lose anybody. And yeah, I would be stunned if if John White comes back at all. Uh, you know, even if even if we don't have, you know, we're not medical professionals we can't really make that assessment but we've seen a lot of football and we've seen that play before and we've seen knees do what john white's knee did and that's so rarely something that you can just bounce back from sometimes i have seen someone you know injured in what looked like a horrific knee injury and they were okay uh days later but it's pretty rare usually something like that there's 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 ligament damage and and well, you're talking yeah. about a and, huge timeline. And the thing about knees is you can tell immediately in terms of like it's not a hundred percent until you get the MRI, but but the the trainers and the player can tell immediately if there's been ligament damage. So it is one of those um, injuries that you you know immediately whether there's been a torn ligament or not. And if we can read the look on John White's face, that was, oh God, that was crushing. See him just sitting there yeah, on the Yeah, and he, and he had a great bench. first half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We knew this had to be a big yeah. game for him, and it, yeah. was, it started out great. Yeah, he looked good. So continuing on with our, our recap, Caleb Evans ends up sneaking in a touchdown uh, coming in for that. And, and I want to rant a bit more about quarterback sneaks, as we've done a few times this year. I hate so much that quarterback sneaks are so easy for every other team. Caleb Evans comes in to sneak in a touchdown. There was never any doubt about it. There was no stress about it. They, they could have run quarterback sneaks for, for two yards every time they, they ran a quarterback sneak. Every team in the CFL does this. For some reason, it's a source of stress for all Argos fans when there's a quarterback sneak, even with Antonio Pipkin, who is sort of the short yardage specialist on this team. It's never any guarantee in all of Pipkin's sneaks today. They were tight. He only barely got across. I think he converted every one of them. The only one he didn't convert, Ottawa was offside. But they they were close each time. And he didn't get the one where Ottawa was luckily, you know, they were called offside. But why why is it that the Argonauts can't run a quarterback sneak for a yard, JB? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think it probably just comes down to explosion off the ball. And, uh, you know, that the offensive line does not 
have the explosion off the ball that that other teams do. Yeah, I guess so. And it's it's a really hard play to practice because you don't want to practice that play live with your own team because right. it's it's, like, it's, it's like a dangerous on, it's play. It's like onside kicks. Yeah, you, you can't, can't really get a good air, look. And you're like, well, <laughs> no, you know, so you you never get a look. There's no way to have a look. No, because you've right. got defenders like rolling at people's knees, and right. you know that's that's a realistic look at at what happens on a quarterback sneak. It, you ever next time there's a quarterback sneak, watch the interior of the defensive line. There's always two guys that dive forward and roll, and you imagine as an offensive lineman the danger involved in that. You're trying to explode off the ball and push forward, and there's a 300 pound pound man rolling towards your knees, uh, which you know, and that's that's the point. That's why it's so disruptive. But that's it's clearly an issue with with the Argonauts. And it's such an important play. It comes up so many times in three down football where you've got a third and one, third and inches, third and half a yard. And those have to be automatic conversions. And they just haven't been. And the second half it looked like everything was going to fall apart there. The Argos got a little bit. A little bit lucky at the end there because there was uh, another McLeod Bethel Thompson pick. This one, this one's a little different. So Ottawa sends seven on this play. They were running like a, a bare bones cover two. And to the trip side, they've got Ricky Collins Jr. wide open. He's coming across the middle of the field, uh, basically on a slant route. And there's nobody. This, this bare bones cover two is really just flats and, and deep half. And there's no one there for Ricky Collins Jr. McLeod Bethel Thompson's read is fine with me because... They've got sort of a kind of like a smash look to the to the twin side where Devers uh, Daniels and Drez Anderson are. Drez is running it out. Daniels has got a corner, and a corner against cover two. I'm I'm fine with that, and you can throw the receiver a little bit fatter if you need to towards the sideline. Um, but it it was just sort of an it, it was an odd play. It looked like McLeod Bethel Thompson had to rush the throw a little bit. Daniels didn't get his head around. You would expect him to have sort of fattened that out a little bit based on the coverage, and he didn't. It ends up being a pick, and fortunately for the Argos, yet again, this turns into a missed field goal, and this is where I love having Chandler Worthy back there because he actually makes something of it. The Argos are able to add a field goal at the end of the half to make it a 13-9 score, but that's set up from the field position they get from having Chandler Worthy and really a legitimate speed threat and someone that could take it back. But... I want to compare for a second Chandler Worthy and Devontae Dedman because my belief is that I, I know Dedman's a skilled returner and that, that is a skill. There's no doubt that that's a skill. However, it's a skill that doesn't matter if you're not getting the blocking. Ottawa's special teams units are excellent at blocking the return. Sometimes that's from the confidence of knowing that you've got a guy back there like Devontae Dedman or you know, like a Chad Owens who are going way back at Gizmo Williams who was brought up on the broadcast today because Dedman actually broke one of his records which tells you how good Dedman is but the blocks are there you don't see that when Chandler Worthy is returning a missed field goal you see a lot of Argos players chasing Ottawa players when on the other end you see Toronto defending a punt you don't see Red Blacks players chasing after Toronto Gunners or anything like that. Instead, you see people held up. You see people engaged in blocks. And so it is a failing of the Argos special teams unit in their, their blocking on the returns. But it is a huge achievement of Ottawa's. It's not just Devontae Dedman. They are a great 
special teams blocking unit on those those uh, punt returns, kick returns, and fortunately we didn't have any missed field goals today, but but that that would have been messy too. So Chandler Worthy does contribute in that way. It's 13-9 at the half. Just in real time, was there nervousness from you at that 13-9 point? Because for me, it's different because I already knew the result. So I, I wasn't, you know, I actually felt fine because I knew the Argos came out on top. But did you feel like this game was was slipping away? Uh, no, well, I, I, I did when he threw the interception that they ended up ruling uh, as a down pass. That was the only time that I felt the game was over. Um, so uh, up until then, I just felt confident that Ottawa uh, was very poor and that they weren't going to score any more points. So if we could keep things from, if we could you know, keep from handing them the ball in the end zone, uh, that we should be able to grind our way back. Um, but for sure, on that pick, I, th- I thought it was over. And, uh, you know, and thankfully the uh, powers that be at the CFL overturned it. I thought the overturn was fine. Um, the you know the third quarter started with that that Deadman return sixty five yard kickoff return touchdown to make it twenty to nine. I, I was you know thinking that you know that's a it's getting to be a big deficit here. But you're right that the next thing that that happens is actually no Boris Beatty before that has that fifty yard field goal to make it twenty to twelve. But then it's the play you're talking about this this pick that was overturned on review. I I thought the overturn was was the correct call but I, I know you didn't necessarily see it that way you think Toronto got a bit lucky there uh I, I mean I looked at it and I thought they could have easily left the call on the field I I didn't think I think it looked like it 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 might not have been caught but it, to me it did not look like incontrovertible evidence to overturn it I I would have I, I wouldn't have changed the call. If they had called it incomplete, I would have left it incomplete. Um, I thought they could have I thought they could have stayed with the call on the field. I, I didn't think it was definitely not caught. I, I see what you're saying with that. Like I, I felt he I felt he definitely didn't catch it. I, I there's there's no question in my mind that that he dropped the ball. But in terms of actually seeing that happen, you kind of have to put two shots together. I know if this were the NFL, they probably wouldn't have overturned it just based on how they're calling it this year. It's very different. Um, the CFL doesn't do it the same way. And uh, luckily for, for the Argonauts, and I think I think you get more correct calls the way the CFL does it. But it, to me, his, his elbows look like they were still split at a time where in one angle and on that same at that same moment on the other angle, the ball definitely hits something. And if it's if these elbows are, are split at that point, then it's got to be the ground. So I get that overturn. But yeah, that could have been that could have been nasty. And th- what frustrated me is that it was the exact same concept against the exact same coverage as the last pick. They only sent six this time, not seven. But it was, again, a bare bones cover two against a smash concept. And McLeod throws the corner again because that's what McLeod will do against cover two when he's got a smash. He likes that corner. And he goes to throw... Uh, Drez Anderson a little fat on this one and Drez sits in space which it's hard to pin who's wrong on this I'm going to assume it's Drez just based on the experience that both players have uh, both in the system and just overall in the CFL that depends on how they're being coached on that because 
I know there are some coordinators who will have their players sit on a corner route, even though they haven't hit their break yet. As soon as they get to this giant void, which Drez did, right at his break point for that corner, he just turns around and sits. McLeod's waiting for him to cut out towards the sideline, and so that's where he throws it. Uh, I, I think this is probably Andres, but he's probably got that from a different system. He's played a lot of football. He's bounced around a lot. And I know there are a lot of coaches that will coach it that way. When you arrive in space, you sit. And the quarterback's supposed to see that the same way. But, you know, maybe the Argos are coaching it differently. And the fact that McLeod threw that same concept the same way, basically, both times shows me that that McLeod was right on that. And Drez has got to be there where the ball ended. And fortunately, it was dropped by the DB. So we end up with a another huge Deadman punt return. This one fortunately had a flag on it, so Ottawa was was backed up. And then on their next possession, McLeod Bethel-Thompson is picked again. And I, I want to have a discussion about McLeod Bethel-Thompson's picks because he's got three picks in the game. I also don't put this one on him. This is a ball that's tipped at the line of scrimmage because there's no shelf set by the guards and center. They're collapsing into him as he's throwing, and he got hit from behind uh, from the uh, from the, from the edge rusher, so not only can he not step up into the pocket because there's no shelf, he he can't back up any further because the pocket is collapsing from all angles, and the ball gets tipped because of this. I I just can't pin that on the quarterback, and I know he had three picks. I think at most one of these is his fault. <laughs> all right, I mean, I I just can't agree. I I just think that you know. It was not a good game by him. I, I don't think he's a good quarterback. I, I didn't think he was a good quarterback last year uh, or this year. Um, so I, I haven't changed my opinion. I think that um, he's fine by times, but that he throws picks. He makes terrible. I mean, we talked about being concerned. Like once he didn't have somebody looking over his shoulder, was he going to turn into Mr. Turnover again, which is what he was before. And it looks like that is exactly what is happening in the two games where he hasn't had a quarterback waiting on the sideline. He's turned into a turnover machine. So, you know, I'm, I'm concerned as I was when they made the move to stay with them. And, you know, he'll have to show me a great Hamilton game for me not to simply think that he is the turnover machine that I really didn't want returning after 2018. So we'll, we'll see. I'm a fan of McLeod Bethel Thompson. I'm, I've never said he's the answer and I'm still not ready to say that. I think this Hamilton game coming up this week is going to be a huge test for him. Yeah. Well, I, I guess it, and the, the way he plays against Hamilton will tell us a lot. His second half in Hamilton a few weeks ago was pretty much as well as I think we've seen McLeod Bethel-Thompson play. He was great. Yeah, and, and but, but can he do that without a guy standing on the, you know, on the edge of the field waiting to take his job? That, that was my concern because now we've had two games without that and he's turned into a pick machine again. I get that, but I, I can't, but I look at these plays. I look at his game today. He had drops from his receivers. Like, sure, he threw 50, uh, 63% completions, which isn't good, through three picks. He had drops. He had uh, two of the picks, at least, that I don't think were his fault. On that one, it, they had a tremendous amount of 
pressure from a, a four-man over front with no movement, and the, the pocket disappeared within a second. Uh, the ball gets tipped. Like, I, I just, I can't pin that on him. Uh, and I agree, he hasn't played well in the last two games, but I don't think t- today didn't look like last week to me. I thought it was a very different game he, from him. I'll, I mean, we could not argue too much, but he could have easily had five interceptions today. That's an outrageous number. I don't care if aliens turned the field upside down on some of the plays. Five <laughs> interceptions in one game is a huge number. It is, but I think you have to look at each one individually. No. And I think in all but one of them, you can say, well, someone blew it here. I, and, I disagree. Because the, and, because the great quarterbacks don't do it. Like, they just don't. They don't have five interception days. Great quarterbacks don't get hit by three guys on their uh, on their third then, step then, of their then, drop. Then, then don't throw the ball. <laughs> but then you're not. You're also then, not a great then, quarterback. Then you you take, don't become a great quarterback getting sacked on well, every play either. You take the sack and you punt. You don't um, give. You don't give rid of the ball. It's way better to take the sack and punt than it is to throw an interception. Way better. But you can't do that on every snap. You're not going to be a great quarterback taking a sack. Well, on every then play. you've got to learn how to avoid the rush. I mean, I don't know what to tell you except that. <laughs> Like if if you can only be great if you have an elite offensive line, you know, like no, that's that's just not true. Like, show me another well, CFL quarterback that had five interceptions this weekend. Show me any quarterback that is great that had a garbage offensive line throughout his career. Oh, I I wouldn't consider the Argo offensive line garbage. I think it's okay. It's okay. It's true. It's the, the, offense, the Argos offensive line isn't garbage, but they're so depleted right now. Okay. They, well, they don't have the right tackle. They don't have their center. Like you're missing two thirds of what was a, an okay line. True or false? Since he's been the solo quarterback, that guy has turned into a pick machine. <laughs> yeah, but look at each turnover individually. Last no. week was bad. This uh, week, I, was, I don't I was, see it that oh, way. I was openly worried about it. I'm like, he, he impressed me, which is hard to do because I don't like him as a quarterback. But he impressed me when he took over for Arbuckle because he totally played within himself and he didn't turn the ball over. But now that Arbuckle's gone, he's back to being Mr. Turnover. And, I, you know, it's a huge problem. I, I don't think it's unrelated or um, you can deconstruct it because, like, this is the exact thing I was worried about happening. And then it's happening because this is who he is. He doesn't have to worry anymore, so now he's Mr. Like, well, I'll just throw the ball wherever I want. To the other team, sure, great. But his poor play has coincided with the Argos losing their center and their right tackle, and also losing Eric Rogers, uh, losing... Actually, their receiving core in general, like Levi Noel has been gone forever. Like, all, all the guys that were looking great in the start of the season, half of them haven't been in. Breskison's finally back. But yeah, his his poor play has coincided with the rest of the offense being significantly hurt, and he didn't have DJ Foster today. I don't, well, and then I, didn't have White at the end of the game. Well, we either. disagree. You like him. I don't. I I don't know that I would go with him next year. No, I don't think I would say I, that. And I, I, I don't didn't think want I would. Him back this year. <laughs> but at the same time, I think he's probably the fifth best quarterback in the CFL. Yeah. Can you name five CFL quarterbacks who are better than him? No, I think most of the league is terrible. Well, then, but then what do you do? So what's the answer? Well, like if he's I agree. the best, I, fifth I best quarterback. Have, I don't have an answer. I, I, I don't have an answer. Like, I think you're, you look, they're all in on him for the rest of the year. I mean, I don't, I don't doubt that. I'm just concerned that they need to get him playing within a system and being 
turnover adverse because he was highly turnover adverse when his competition was staring at him and now he's not. So let's get back to that somehow. (laughs) So fortunately for the Argos, that Dandridge pick, which was a really nice pick from him, resulted in another Lewis Ward missed field goal. This was his third miss of the game at that point. (laughs) And it, you know, this is just helping to build that, that curse that, that we may have going forward. And the fourth quarter was, was basically all Argos. You go into the fourth down 20 to 12, Daniels makes a huge play. Oh, do you remember that play in the in the fourth quarter? It was I, I think he just ran it. I think he just ran a hook. Uh, he makes two guys miss. He like trucks the third defender who comes in. And just in general, I thought Deveris Daniels had a great game. This they had moved him over from the X spot to the W spot, so he's playing the slot today. Not huge for yardage, but you know, he played that sort of possession receiver style game today with nine catches. Love, and yeah. I, you know, that that's great. 13 um, targets. That, yeah. That's his high of the season. That's nine a, catches, hey, high of the season. I'm all for it. I'm like, feed him. Feed him. He is great. Even when he drops the ball, even when he does something which is frustrating, keep feeding him. He is a star. Now, one thing is I did think McLeod was getting a little bit locked on to him late in the game. After, well, 13 targets is pretty heavily locked, although Drez Anderson had 10 targets. But that I was know. that's but that's him looking at Deveris because Drez and, and Daniels were playing on the same side, right? So Drez is playing that X spot uh, for the most part. And so he's looking to Daniels. And if Daniels is not there, then that's when Drez gets those targets. But Anderson only caught four of 10 targets, which is not acceptable. Now his yardage is just about the same as, as Deveris. But um, yeah, you can't have, you can't be four of 10 on targets to your ex receiver. So when Rodgers comes back, if Rodgers comes back knocking on wood, I expect Daniels is going to slide back to that X spot and Rodgers will will resume work at W. But I think I think this move needed to happen and I certainly think that was one area of comfort with all this receiver movement there has been and you know Ricky Collins Jr hasn't looked himself for a, a few games now and Curly Gittins Jr has fallen off a little bit. He's still still awesome. He still got a touchdown today, but um, yeah, I think getting someone back and it's probably, probably Eric Rogers would be the biggest difference. He's such a, a great target to have and he makes you as comfortable as anyone. So if you can put Daniels back to X, now have a bit more rapport with McLeod Bethel Thompson, bring Rogers in, you know, I don't know how far away we are from that, but, uh, that would help significantly. So, in the fourth quarter, the Argos end up tying it up at, at 20. This was a great McLeod Bethel Thompson play, and even you cannot deny this. It's a four-man rush that has the pocket again collapse immediately. McLeod does a spin move, rolls left. He sees Gittins Jr. come open, uh, finds a soft spot in the zone, and the speed with which, while rolling to his left, he's able to load and fire uh, was pretty impressive. So it's a 12-yard touchdown pass. Daniels catches the two-point conversion. It's now 2020, and at this point, I, I felt like I felt you know. Again, I knew the score, but I, I just it didn't feel like Ottawa had done anything other than that kickoff return in the second half. They just they hadn't moved the football. Yeah, he, so look, he looked great in the fourth quarter. I mean, I had that in my report card. I, I I thought he did right. I thought that he he dialed in, and certainly that guy is the guy they chose Arbuckle over. Right. He's got a big arm and he's got a little bit of mobility and, uh, you know, he reads downfield. He's always looking downfield. Right. He 
He's not Captain Checkdown. I think that guy is is the guy that we need to get more of. But you know, if he were that guy all the time, you know, he'd be he'd be the best quarterback in the CFL. So I don't I don't need him to be that guy all the time. We just gotta we gotta get the the difference between that guy and the other guy being less. It is unfortunate when you have sort of a Jekyll Hyde uh, situation uh, in your your quarterback. That's it's not ideal, and I don't really know how to do that. But I think it's it's like you said, like when you've got those those flashes, you know, how can you not as a coach look at that and say, okay, so I just have to eliminate these areas, and then we're good. It just it you know. It hasn't quite happened yet for an extended period of time. But so Boris Beattie ends up adding another field goal. Toronto goes ahead for good, um, 23-20. There was a moment I was a little concerned. Boris Beattie shanked a punt later. He's thinking about Deadman at that point because they've been kicking it away from Deadman on, on kickoffs. Uh, but that's, again, where I think you see the Ottawa blocking because those kickoffs where they're kicking it away from Demon still were returned near midfield. So it's not just like Demon is a great returner. There's no doubt. And he tied, as I said, he tied Gizmo Williams for the fewest numbers, uh, number of games played to achieve five uh, kick return touchdowns. Um, yeah, he's a great returner, but a lot of that is in the blocking. And the game basically ends with two Cordero Law sacks. Uh, he turned it on in that last series and just just shed his blocker immediately and was able to take down Doug Hodges. And that that basically sealed the game. There was a long A.J. Ouellette run uh, at the end. Um, let's, let's talk about A.J. Ouellette, though, for a second. Just as a bit of a change of pace, he is a bowling ball that neither John White or D.J. Foster is. It was kind of cool to have a back like that back in the Toronto backfield today. Yeah, I mean... He's he's going to be the guy moving forward. I I don't think at this point of the season, there's you know they don't have anybody on the practice squad. They're you know, it's it's going to be him. Uh, it's a little bit worrying to be honest. They're going to have to go find somebody, because um, I I don't think you can you can just go into a game hoping that you're two you know you just have two running backs. But uh, uh, yeah, he looked great. He looked he, you know he's a downhill runner and. You know, if the line can continue to to get him some spots, like it, it'll be a little harder against better teams for sure. Um, but uh, you know, I, I'm a, why not be excited? I guess I should say why not? I'm going to be excited about what he can do, and uh, you know, kind of be a bit of a battering ram and wear out those defensive linemen. They will bring in an, an American running back this week. I'm almost positive of that. We'll see an American running back brought in. The expectation is that DJ Foster will start this coming week, uh, that he will be back from his, his foot injury, and AJ Willette will be there in reserve. And so it'll probably be that as your one-two punch against Hamilton. But you need to bring in someone this week so that they can get up to speed. So if, you know, God forbid, one of them does go down in that Hamilton game, you've got somebody for that season finale versus Arbuckle and the Elks. <laughs> uh, which is is looming. So, uh, yeah, I expect an American back to be signed. Ghost of Argo passed. Uh, that game, I was looking up and down the Elks roster. There's so many, there's so many former Argos. I forgot Armani Edwards is out there too. Uh, there's just so many different ways that this could be a painful uh, season finale. But again, hopefully it's not an issue because hopefully by then the Argos have clinched first place. They've beaten Hamilton. Montreal's lost a game somewhere along the way. Um, and and it's not really an issue. JB, let's get into our players of the game. So 
Defensive player of the game. Let's do defense first because I thought they outplayed the offense today. Where are you going with your defensive player of the game? Uh, I go Cordero Law. I thought he had a fantastic second half. Uh, we saw a little taste of what that line could look like if Ray's healthy and uh, you got the CN Power in there and you got Law, um, you know, Echampong still looking good. You know, I, I think I think that was, for me, the most exciting takeaway is that defensive line is getting a little healthier and back to what we thought was going to be a dominant defensive line. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. Get If guys could get even healthier, we get a few more guys back. Uh, they, they needed to turn it on the second half and they did. They, you know, they went and hunted that quarterback, your, your hero, and uh, they were able to get him. I am going to go with Jeff Richards for my defensive player of the game. He didn't have a lot in the way of stats. I think he just had one tackle. He had a number of pass breakups, some really good coverage. He locked down his guy for the entirety of the game and was just blanketing receivers, was getting there just in time, baited the quarterback into a couple of bad throws. And so just a a hero's performance, uh, one that won't show up on the stat sheet, but I think uh, Jeff Richards uh, deserves recognition there because he was outstanding. And honestly, I, I thought most of the secondary was good. I thought Shaq had a really good game as well. Um, I, I thought my, my play of the game, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit, also involves another member of the secondary. So all in all, I thought the secondary played really well, but Jeff Richards led the way. What about for offense? Where are you going to strike for your offensive player of the game? Uh, I, I mean, part of me wanted to go Ouellette just because I thought he gave the team some real juice in that second half, the offense. You know, they were able to kind of be productive and get a couple of drives, you know, a couple of plays in a row where they were able to get some momentum and then they could do some play action off that. Um, but, uh, you know, I have to give player of the game to Boris Beattie. Uh, 15 points he, you know without him uh, they have you know it's a, it's an Ottawa blowout um, so Boris Beattie once again for the offense getting it done and you know hopefully the offense finds that a little bit embarrassing but uh, it is what it is right now I can't argue with that he's 10 for 10 over the last two weeks and like you said for the second straight week has more than half the team's points uh, he, I, I guess, you know, he maybe should be the offensive player of the game. I think he'll again be recognized uh, with with player of the week honors because it's just how how can you not? He did it last week, and this is the exact same performance. So and these uh, he are should like, be recognized again. You know, these are not gimmies. These are 40, 45, 50. I mean, these are long field goals. Yep. Uh, I'm not going to go with Boris Beattie just to be different, although, you know, I, I certainly tip my hat to him. I think Tavares Daniels, just yep. because we saw the quantity that we've been looking for. You've said on several post-game podcasts, where did Tavares go in the second half? Or how come he only had three targets or whatever? And today, 13 targets, nine receptions, 84 yards. He set up uh, the the touchdown uh, with a, a huge play. And so he was all over the field. I thought he did a great job today. So he's going to be my offensive player of the game. As far as play of the game goes, uh, I'll go first for this one. My play of the game came uh, with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter. It was tied at 20 at that time, and Ottawa was driving. Uh, they had a wide-open receiver. Uh, Duck ends up floating this this uh, corner route to, to Coombs. 
the Argos are in this sort of uh, three deep, three under coverage. And I think Jalen Collins just simply baited Duck into the throw because while that receiver Coombs looked wide open, I don't think there was any way Collins had missed him. He's, you can see him tracking when you watch that that replay. He's got, I, I think he's got deep third. It's hard to tell. Again, on this zoomed in angle, we don't have access to, uh, to all 24, but it looks like he's got deep third and he appears to almost like bite in, but there's no one there to really bite for. So I think he's baiting and then he takes off deep and is able to knock down that pass. And I, I think, I think when that ball left Duck's hand, I think he thought that was going to be a deep completion that ends up being, uh, you know, they probably take Coombs down at about the Argo 25 and maybe that changes the end of this game. But instead, Jalen Collins makes a huge play. And you know it's going to be a good play for me to choose a defensive moment as the play <laughs> of the game. You know that something good happened. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, for me, the play of the game is the play that changed the game, which was the interception turned into a down pass. I think if if that interception where they get the huge return, they're knocking on the end zone, it becomes 27-12, uh, you know, you're in the middle of the third. Uh, I think they lose this game if that play is not overturned. I thought that was like a 14-point swing. And, you know, little tip of the hat to CFL Central. Let's take a quick look at the stats before we sign off. We had McLeod Bethel-Thompson, 28 of 44. That's 63%. Let's not forget about all those drop balls. Uh, 293 in terms of yardage, one touchdown, three interceptions, which I know doesn't look good. But on the other side of the field, Doug Hodges, 8 of 22 for 36%, 90 yards passing. You've got to be pleased with the Toronto defense giving up that number. One of the, one one play alone is 25 of that 90 yards. Uh, rushing was a, a little bit more interesting on, on both uh, teams' behalf. You had... Timothy Flanders leading the way with 95 yards rushing. Uh, Ottawa piled up over 150 yards rushing today, which uh, is uh, actually uh, probably just under. I think they're just under 150 yards rushing, which they would probably look at as a, a success coming into this. If you told them, yeah, you'll have 150 rushing yards, I think they'd be pretty pleased with that. Um, Toronto, not as many rushing yards, but they did have A.J. Ouellette over 114 carries for 107 averaging 7.6 a carry. A lot of that came on that last run at the end that went for 30 yards before Toronto was able to take a knee twice without Ottawa having any time that's left. Um, but yeah, it was a pretty good running day for for both teams. And then in terms of receptions, there was nothing at all for Ottawa, but it was Daniels really doing almost all the work for Toronto with his nine catches for 84 yards. Ricky Collins Jr. did have six catches, but like last week, there just wasn't much... In them now. Last week he had negative yardage uh, with his four receptions. This week he does have 44 yards. He actually I thought played a pretty good game, and he was open a number of times where McLeod just didn't see him. So hopefully that'll be a valuable film session when they start going through that, and McLeod sees what's going on uh, on the field side where you had Ricky Collins Jr. wide open a bunch, and maybe next week that can turn into something. Well, that will just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. JB, you've got your report card that's out. Make sure you check that out. You can go to xsandargos.com to find that as JB grades all of the positional groups. We've got a huge game coming up this next week against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. That's at BMO Field. Make plans to attend. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see you. <laughs>